0: Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the
1: Mill Creek View newspaper. Welcome back, y'all, to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community. This time, special guest back again, Aaron Miller. But first, for more information about the Mill Creek View podcast, view us anywhere you get your podcasts and socials at Mill Creek View, Tennessee. While you're there, please subscribe. It's totally free to you. Welcome to our People in News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking once again with Aaron Miller. Aaron Miller is Columbia, Tennessee, Maury County District 7 commissioner, and also the executive director and founder of the Foundation for Liberty and Freedom. Aaron has a long-standing history, of research and study in political philosophy economics and history aaron is a lifelong learner and a strong advocate for individual liberty and a free and free market econ- economics he is a 12-year veteran of the united states air force thank you for your service and holds a ba in political science from the university of south south carolina i'm just tripping over my tongue today a master's in international affairs from middle tennessee state university and a master's in management also from mtsu He is currently pursuing a doctorate in public administration from Liberty University. The Foundation for Liberty and Freedom is a nonprofit organization focused on the distribution, dissemination, and support of liberty-oriented educational materials and information based in beautiful Columbia, Tennessee. The Foundation for Liberty and Freedom was created in 2022 as a counter to the hold that the political left has in the United States. As we see the militant extremism of critical theory, socialist policy, and child exploitation grow in our social, political, educational, and political institutions, we have a duty to educate our children and ourselves on what is true and moral. The Foundation for Liberty and Freedom seeks to facilitate and enable the fulfillment of the education calling. Oh my gosh, whoever wrote that for you, Aaron, uh, that's a mouthful.
2: (laughs) It is. It's a long bio. I apologize.
1: That's okay, it's great, you learned it. It's uh, it's quite distinguished. Um, how are you today, sir?
2: I'm good, I'm good. Uh, I'm getting along, you know, every day there's always something new going on. There's something more to dig into and talk about. So, uh, you know, crazy. for folks like us, it's it's exciting uh, despite all of the, you know, the evils going on in the world but that's the challenge that we're faced with.
1: You're right, for content creation, it's fantastic. For society at large, I don't know, we'll see uh, as it all plays out. Um, but we're all working towards the same goal Uh, And thank you for your service. Thanks for coming on with me again. Tell us a little bit about uh, what is going on with the Murray County Commission.
2: Yeah, so uh, we're busy. Uh, Murray County is one of the fastest growing counties in the state. So that comes with a lot of a lot of its own challenges. How do we deal with all of this growth, all of these new rooftops, as we refer to it, uh, infrastructure costs, schools, all of the things that come along with this growth? And uh, so interestingly, my, my doctoral dissertation is actually being built around creating a policy blueprint for these high growth areas. Um, I said, well, I mean, this is something I'm experiencing. I'm dealing with it firsthand anyway. Uh, why don't I do something about it? So uh, my research is built around what can we what policies can we affect on the local level to help manage and preserve the the traditional uh, small-town feel of these areas because we can't stop the growth right I mean that's inevitable we live in a free country if people want to move here from California can't blame them for that right, right. but we we have to uh, I think we have a duty and an obligation to guide that growth in a way that's responsible and in a way that preserves the things that we cherish um, so
1: definitely balancing that acts, is, is,
2: yeah. that's that's taken up most of our time on the Commission um, but uh, it, it's again, it's an exciting time, uh, and, and I'm I'm proud to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, eighty thousand new residents in the last twelve months, uh, history breaking a record for the state of Tennessee, and there's a reason, and it's probably because people like you who are conscientious on these commissions, trying to keep growth in check and not just go hog wild like you would see uh, in some of the. Urban sprawls all around the way on the world, and I'm actually I've been to Buenos Aires, and we do not want to look like that, where it's just as far as the eye can ever see on an airplane, uh, house after house after house. Um, you were instrumental in getting Duck River in Murray County uh, designated as a Class Two Scenic Waterway. What did that mean for Duck River and your county?
2: Yeah, so the Duck River is it's not just an extremely important natural resource, which it is. It's one of the most biodiverse waters uh, water. water sources in in the world it was wow. on the cover of matt geo i mean like it's a big deal but in addition to our our moral and, and spiritual obligation to preserving and being good stewards of creation it's also a resource for the community uh you know i mean that's where most of murray county gets its water from uh that's where a lot of local businesses get their water from uh i believe it's all the ultima uh, uh battery facility that's, that's going up is going to be taking a lot of water from that uh, so that's, that's a challenge as well. So the, the, um, the class two water protection act is, is in the name. Uh, it adds not only state level, but also reaches out to some federal resources to classify and protect that water source, uh, from things like, uh, the, uh, kind of the hot topic that came around at the same time was somebody wanted to put another landfill in. that was in pretty close proximity to the river. So, uh, putting, Putting protections in place like the class two uh, basically puts the kibosh on that before that can get down the uh, um, uh, the legislative or or the the procedural road. Uh, so we're very happy about that. That is a key part of what I what I mentioned earlier, sort of preserving the things that we cherish in this area. Uh, and so I'm very proud to have been a part of that. Um, I think
1: that's so great because that is the silver bullet for conservative messaging in my opinion somehow conservatives need to have they have to reach the environmentally conscious Gen Z there's a huge disconnect there and you are the guy that is doing it and that's fantastic so kudos to you you. um and at the time they implied that they would seek legal recourse uh did did the landfill folks sue or how did that
2: resolve so I honestly haven't heard anything from it since then I As far as I know, that's still their intent, but they're going to have to take it up with the state at this point. Um, So, I don't, I can't speak to whether or not we're going to be on, uh, you know, any any future suits or anything like that. Uh, But it's at the state level at this point. They're welcome to take it up with the state, and uh, and we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, and I've heard that the Tennessee, actually, on this show, Nash. Uh, I forgot his name the conscientious kid who was trying to work on the Tennessee River with all the microplastics so it's a it's a real thing Tennessee has great rivers they just need to stay clean um tell us about your work as the executive director of the foundation for liberty and freedom
2: yeah uh so it's the the foundation we just refer to it as you know the foundation which sounds a lot lot cooler you know uh, i kind of feel like i'm a i'm you know bond villain and to some people maybe i am um the but, uh, so the foundation is focused on getting Educational materials into the hands of everybody across the the, uh, the spectrum. So, we want to get age appropriate materials into the hands of younger people, um, young adults, and adults. Uh, so, for the youngsters, that looks like the Tuttle Twins books or the Tuttle Toddlers books. Uh, my son loves those books. You know, especially when it gets to the. Uh, let's see. I think we've got the the ABCs of economics. Mm -hmm. And uh, on one page, it shows, okay, you know, here's the city and manufacturing and here's the farm. And and he's he's big into farm animals. That's his thing right now. He loves farms and the tractors and and all the animals. So uh, he really digs that. Uh, So getting those into the hands of of them and and we're reaching them at their level. Um, I mean, Q is for quantitative easing, which I didn't even hear about until I was you know late in high school. Uh, So maybe that that goes over his head but he understands sort of these basics of well supply and demand and diminishing returns and things like this. Wow. And then for, as you move up, now we're getting into the Tuttle twins. They've got a TV show out now, which is amazing by the way, you know, we'll, we'll watch it with our, our friends. They've got a couple of youngsters and we'll sit down and watch an episode. And I'm like, this is entertaining for us. This is great. Uh, and then for adults, it's, uh, it's lectures. It's, getting in front of people and giving them information. A lot of the time it's like, in, you know, drinking from a fire hose. But uh, again, it's reaching them at their level and then having a, a very broad and, and robust uh, question and answer session as well. Hey, we just went through 45 minutes or an hour of a lot of information. How can I continue to distill that in a way that's easier for you to understand? Uh, and then part of my, my messaging and the mission is uh, what I call um, AME, So AME is uh, activate, mobilize, and engage. And this is my formula for getting into the community and affecting change on on an issue that people are concerned about. So activation starts with education. It's getting these books into the hands of youngsters. It's uh, doing these lectures. It's making sure that they are well-informed. And then once they're informed, they become activated. Oh, I see the issue. I recognize the issue. What's the next step? Mobilize. So if, if they're in a, in a room with a bunch of other people that just got this information that were just activated, now they can mobilize. They can get together. They can talk about it over coffee or, or you know, it's small group or whatever the case may be. And then the final step is engage. They've mobilized. Now they're going to engage with the issue. So, and uh, don't mean to steal your thunder. I assume we're getting to this anyway, but oh, yeah. uh, engagement is something that we've seen a huge explosion of recently, uh, particularly with these Gratuitous books in, in public libraries. I've had people from multiple counties across the state now reach out to me and say, hey, here's our situation. It's very similar to yours, but there's some, some key differences. And so I'm most excited about having to uh, have been able to sort of almost like build a franchise at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen a lot of success in multiple counties uh, where I'm able to coach uh, or, or coordinate and collaborate with the people in those counties and be able to help them through their own uh, situations in regards to those books and, and it really institutional capture across the board. So I'll we'll dig
1: into that a little bit more in a second. Yeah. Um, cash Daniels is the c- conservation kid. Uh, sorry, cash, uh, listen to that episode. Everybody, um, tell us about your co-founders, Brian Cormier, Adam Martin and clay Smith, and then we'll dig into a little bit more.
2: Sure. So I served with uh, clay and Brian and, um, really just blessed to have them on board. We all, we all served together in the air force. And when we got out, kind of went our separate ways, uh, didn't speak, uh, for a couple of years, just, you know, it's how it goes. Uh, you, you, you move on and you do other things, but we reconnected around the same time. And we had gone in direction, different directions educationally and professionally that supplemented one another. Uh, and we said, well, we've got this, this range of education. Brian's in law school. Um, uh, Clay uh, is going to school for finance. So it's like, okay, well, can we do something with this? What, what can we do? Uh, and uh, Clay lives in Tennessee, Brian's in Virginia. And so he we said, well, we're all kind of in the same area. We all have similar passions and beliefs. What can we do with this? And so we for, so, uh, formed the idea of the foundation. And then um, Adam's kind of the odd man out. You know, he, he didn't serve in the same way that we did but he is just a wizard when it comes to grassroots organizing. He's one of the nicest guys you've ever met. You shake his hand and you feel like you've known him for years. And, uh, and so he's our guy that's, that's networking with the community and coordinating and planning events and putting all these things together. So it, it's a group effort and I'm, I'm blessed to have all of them on board.
1: Great, all right, and you made a name for yourself doing uh, Marxism mapping lectures statewide. Uh what did you learn about Tennessee and some of the far away from the big city places that have colleges, I guess, like Nashville and Memphis about what people understand about marxism
2: well first i I recognized a few different patterns that I think are really key not only to understanding this issue but kind of like where we're at, even nationally or certainly regionally um I like to sort of extrapolate information uh and data as I go with you know of course my academic career it's kind of drilled into me at this point but one of the things I notice is there's a cross-generational divide uh, as far as understanding or defining what Marxism is. so for the baby boomers it's it's you know the Soviet Union comes to mind and, and well we've got Marxist infiltrators uh, you know that are stirring up uh, domestic issues Soolinsky comes up a lot and and it's not that those things are wrong in terms of conceptualizing what Marxism is, but the evolution of Marxism has changed dramatically since, since then. Um, you know, Obviously, the Soviet Union collapsed. Uh, I mean, we, well, we've got North Korea and Cuba still on the board, and they're on life support. So, uh, but it didn't die. It, it evolved. It changed into something else. So it leans now very heavily into uh, what Antonio Gramsci called cultural hegemony. So instead of it being a class-based warfare between the haves and the have-nots, it's about who controls the culture. And so uh, using that as a guiding philosophy since then in the 50s and 60s and 70s, a lot of Marxist philosophers said, well, we, we have to infiltrate the culture, culture and we have to capture institutions, things like the justice system, things like academia, things like the library, right? Uh, so how can we how can we get into these things? And they they found they found areas that have been abdicated by conservatives. The library is an absolutely picture perfect example. Uh, who cares about the library board, right? I mean, as of two years ago, nobody. It was it was the simplest thing, you know. Yeah, this is the way I can serve my community, but it's boring, or at least it was two years ago, three years ago. Um, so nobody was paying attention to it. So. The Marxists saw an opportunity and they said, "Okay, we're going to get our people in there or the American Library Association. Yeah. Yeah. Or school boards. Another perfect example. Uh, So we we abdicated that space. We left the field of battle and they took it over. Right. Uh, So that was an easy win for them. And now we're having to fight tooth and nail to take that back. Uh, Another divide that I've noticed, generally speaking, are transplants versus uh, natives, if you will. So you've got folks that have been in Murray County for generations and, and their, their ancestors built this county into what it is and all respect to them for that. I'm, I don't mean to be disparaging of them uh, when I say this, but compared to the people that are coming in from California or New York State or Washington or Oregon, they have a totally different firsthand perspective on what institutional capture looks like, on what uh, Marxism looks like in the modern day. And so I've noticed the folks that are moving in that are transplants. And again, this is the tendency. It's not absolute. But the tendency is that they're already activated. They're fired up. They're going, I left this other state because I know what this looks like. I know it's not here yet,
0: mm-hmm. but I
2: see it creeping in. And I already want to be a part of countering it. And the, the natives. 40 years ago, speak- that
1: would have been the Cuban exiles from Cuba in Florida, turning that yep. state red. And now we're looking at former state uh residents like myself doing the exact same thing and hopefully the goal is leave their voting record behind that made the state like that and come to a place where it's more accepted um and you you know you mentioned a few things that are institutionalized but also things like capitals and city halls uh brother jones in nashville justin pearson in memphis gloria johnson in knoxville now wants to be senator going after marsha blackburn are those three the ones that made a mess of the last legislative session? Are would they be considered Marxist by your definition?
2: Certainly, uh, Jones and the other gentleman absolutely Pure fit the personal. bill. Yeah, exactly. There, there are videos of them in in college, you know, spouting the the exact same vitriol and and philosophical arguments that we see from traditional Marxism. The, the Marxist dialectic, the haves and the have-nots, the the slave and master or oppressor and oppressed dynamic, that's that's baked into everything. Uh, whether the context is cultural or class-based or whatever, that dynamic is always present. Um, Gloria, I think, is more of an interesting uh, question. I think she is what I would refer to as a, as a default liberal or uh, I would say a default leftist. They kind of fall into it, uh, whereas – I would say that the other two are more indoctrinated into it. They are they are true believers. So one uh, thing I've learned
1: two- recently is that conservatives spend conservatively, liberals spend liberally. Are they getting national money from far left Marxist groups that are oh, just flush yeah. with money? Absolutely. Like like literally, if you look at their uh, donations, it's coming from Marxists.
2: Oh yeah, and and finances are, are an interesting thing with all of this because you have you can essentially funnel this money through nonprofit after nonprofit. Uh, you know, it can come from somebody like George Soros or, or, um, uh, Klaus Schwab or whatever. They have all of these nonprofits or non-governmental organizations that they push their money into. Then these NGOs will say, well, here's our mission statement and we're going to offer grants to the next level down. And so it all sort of trickles down to the state and the local level. Um, Another great example: There are some uh, some leftist organizations in Tennessee at the state level that have received hundreds of thousands of dollars from people like Taylor Swift, right? So, uh, in it, 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 it's a bit of a tangent, but you look at somebody like her grew up in Franklin. Uh, you know, I I think uh, I'm getting might be getting her confused with someone else. Uh, but was her dad a pastor? I may be totally wrong on that. Don't but know. you have uh, you have these backgrounds where it's like traditional conservative homes in a deep red area and then they go off and, and make it big and then all of a sudden they they switch they flip and now they're pushing that money back uh based on their new ideology uh so it's all of these very strange interesting but strange dynamics that are going on um, but in terms of our our local politics still local i don't think so i don't think they can be anymore with with all of these uh uh mechanisms for Money laundering is a bit of a strong word, uh, Mm -hmm. but you understand what I'm
1: saying. Pass through. Yeah, I'd like to think their efforts are failing and that money can't always buy elections and all the money is really wasted. But uh, are you seeing it differently? Are they succeeding in red states like Tennessee?
2: I think it's I think it's hit or miss. I I would be hesitant to point to one particular variable uh, and say that that's making the difference or it's not i think it's a combination of things it is a lot of folks that are moving in and they didn't leave their voting record at the door or their ideology at the door they brought it here as well um part of it is money it's activism um i would say money's more of the lubricant for all of these other mechanisms um one thing i've noticed is that voting patterns are are key to all of this well voter turnout is key to all of this so look at uh columbia the city of columbia versus the county the county government is very deep red uh the city government is very deep blue and we have citizens showing up to city council meetings regularly saying hey maybe don't build another 800 home development right off of trotwood avenue it's a two-lane street maybe don't put in these another 500 homes or whatever it is and the city council just ignores them and says "No, Mm -hmm. we're going to do it anyway we had a city councilman say that uh he wants columbia to be the next austin So but then when you look at voter turnouts in these city elections, it's 10 percent, 11, 12, 13 percent. So when it comes down to it, money can be overcome easily by voter turnout alone. That's it. So if we can bump the voter turnout for our side, for conservatives, up to 18, 19, 20 percent, we won. Great. Congratulations. You did it. You can overcome all the Soros money and everything else. But. The question is, how do we activate people to just to come out and vote just very basic things? A big part of it is the the big here's
1: the big question, then. Yeah. Marxists hate religion. Karl Marx, the founder and primary theorist of Marxism, viewed religion as the soul of soulless conditions or, as we all probably know, the opium of the people. Uh, According to him, religion is in this world of exploitation is an expression of distress. And at the same time, it is also a protest against the real distress. Um, A woman came to your board of trustees beating and trounced conservative Christians after your county's library director was driven from his job for refusing to take down a pride display. So Maury County, Tennessee Library Director Zachary Fox resigned after getting pressured by a group of residents who said that the LGBTQ themed books were inappropriate, according to WSMB4. You said the library invested your tax dollars into a book display for LGBT History Month. Miller told the Epoch Times this was surprising considering that June is already Pride Month, a period of celebration for the LGBT community. Miller said that the materials were child targeted. So how egregious was it?
2: So uh, uh, is this also going on the radio? I want to make sure I'm not coming across the FCC here. No. Okay, fantastic. So... First off, these books were were marketed specifically towards children. You got the bright colors and the cartoon characters, right? It's it's the same thing as cereal boxes in in the grocery store, uh, and they were all front facing. Uh, you can't miss it. You walk in, it's it's right there. And there were uh, there was at least one five year old that runs up to it, picks a book up, and flips to one of these pages before their their guardian can even stop them. Or or hey, what's going on? Get some context uh, in the situation. So. These books had everything from, uh, you know, the, oh, well, you know, there's, there's three penguins, you know, two penguins are, are, are males and they adopt a, a chick. It's like, okay, yeah, whatever, I guess. But then it runs the gamut into, here's how to transition. Make sure you don't tell your parents. Uh, let's, let's look at, uh, there were instructions on how to perform sexual activities on one another. In some of these books, the context was an adult. Applying a child with alcohol and then having sex with him and in very explicit descriptions, and it's all in the light of oh, this is a positive thing, this is a good thing. Um, it, there were diagrams there there was I mean it just goes on and on it was mind blowing
1: How many books about um, like five ten I a mean, hundred yeah.
2: so we found twenty eight uh, that were on this particular display, but there are more uh, and part of part of the left's efforts when all of this went down, was to, we're going to donate more of these books to the library. Uh, But their messaging, and and I think that's what you were alluding to with with part of that video that was posted, they are extremely good at strategy and messaging. So part of the message was, oh, yeah, you're worried about this book that talks about two dad penguins. It's like, no, I'm not, and you know I'm not. But they don't give give us the opportunity to say, "No, no, no, I'm worried about the books where you're teaching kids how to perform oral sex on one another right like let's don't gaslight me here we we know what's going on but they can't have that conversation in the court of public opinion because they know they will lose every time they know Mm -hmm. the rational average person is going to go i'm sorry you're pushing what on children so the guy that lost his
1: job zach fox was he directly Mm -hmm. responsible for this
2: yeah so zach fox had had a history of, of sort of tertiary behavior as well he owns a local brewery and the October before that, he had an all-ages uh, drag show, or drag brunch, at his business. And part of the advertisement gave specific instructions on how to circumvent the age restriction when buying tickets. Because he wanted young children to attend this, this event. So you put all these things together and it's like, no, no, this isn't a guy that overlooked something or made a mistake. This was this was intentional. and And, hey accountability is going to come along with that um one of the one of the yeah. phrases Go the ahead. left loves to use is uh well you know when, when you've uh experienced privilege for so long accountability or, or equality feels like oppression i would say that's the same thing here conservatives haven't pushed back on this stuff the way they should have and and i've got my own theories about why that why that may be but the fact of the matter is they haven't and now that people have this is the response: they kick and scream and whinge and moan because they just can't believe it. It's like you know when you punch a bully in the face, and they just yeah. can't believe that somebody finally stood up to them.
1: Yeah, because um, their logic their logic is thin, is, and whenever they get called out, they they scurry and hide because they know they're doing wrong. Um, did this woman who was on TV, Jesse? Graham that came and yelled at y'all saying she was abused in church twice, but never at a drag show ever follow up with you as a council member come to your office, talk to you write you anything No, So just a TV
2: uh, uh, there. So there are Facebook groups and pages up right now uh, that are just rumors and and slander and everything else. So that's what she chose to, to spend her time on, which, hey, that's her prerogative uh apparently i'm under fbi investigation for being a january 6th uh which is hilarious because i don't know i mean i was in my garage i remember watching it on on uh on the news yeah i, I wasn't there wow. well,
1: um, on the, news. the yeah. news was on so maybe you were peripherally involved um so yeah, the, board, I mean, the board approved fox's resignation <laughs> they must have approved his hiring in the first place why did he resign if it was okay to do this
2: Right. And so I think it was it was obviously public pressure, which that's what public pressure is for. I think this was an appropriate use of using public uh, public pressure for the purposes of accountability. And county's public
1: would be against this. They're not in favor, like, say, in Nashville, maybe, or Los Angeles, California. Obviously, that's that's that was the litmus test. The canary in the coal mine was would your county approve of this behavior of this at all? And the answer was no. On this show, we give a lot of time uh, to the American Library Association. You know, for more than 140 years, the ALA has been the trusted voice of libraries. ALA and their new, just over a year and a half now, self-proclaimed Marxist lesbian president, Emily Drabinsky. She actually won the presidency in April 2022 by receiving 5,410 votes out of 10,032. So 5,400 American librarians voted for a literal Marxist, uh, with no kids. What do you make of those people, those 5,400 librarians that would allow this?
2: Well, they're, they're ideologically captured. Uh, and, and as an aside, the library board accepted his resignation with regret. That's, that's a, that's a key point here. They didn't have to do that. It's a formality. They went out of their way to say, we regret that you're resigning. Wow. And that was, uh, I mean, we're, we're slowly replacing them right now. One by one, as, as their tenure comes up, they will all be replaced. And I have no no issue saying that publicly. Um, yeah, it's it's institutional capture. And again, you have to recognize the, the genius in the strategy of this.
1: Do they the all go to created, like how to be a Marxist librarian council school somewhere in the hills of Switzerland or something? I mean, where do they get all this?
2: Oh, no, it's, it's in all of our universities. All uh, and, universities. And so the 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 general wisdom is that in the in the 60s and 70s you know 1968 is generally pointed to as the philosophical turning point where we went from the spirit of 1776 to the the spirit of 1968 the Civil Rights uh, Act. And, and they and they all start seeping into these universities as professors so now they're old hippies that have spent their entire lives creating this pipeline hey we're going to pressure the youth to go to school, and and I think a lot of the baby boomers, conservative baby boomers, fell into this as well, into this trap. No, no, if you if you want to be successful, you have to go to university. And all of the leftists were like, yes, yes, send your kids to us. We're going to right. spend four years indoctrinating them. With Bill Ayers and people. Angela
1: Davis and all the crazy people that went pro because they couldn't live on the streets anymore as Yeah, I get it. Right. Right. So in 2022, Drabinsky, she must be one of these, claimed that those who try to get particular books removed from library shelves are, quote, angry white mob parents that, quote, don't want black people, Jewish people, gay people to exist at all. Okay, weird. Is, is Tennessee even in the ALA?
2: Tennessee is in the ALA. I believe Missouri and Montana have left. There are probably a few other states, but those are the first two that come to mind. Tennessee is not yet. Uh, I am in contact with state legislators to see if we can get some uh, – a resolution to to un- decouple ourselves from the ALA. It has no interest in in our values. It has no interest in bettering Tennessee, um, yeah. so we should have no interest in, in it. These people actively hate us and everything we stand for. Why I found it interesting them?
1: that she used those because BLM and Hamas actually want Jewish people and gays <clears throat> not to exist at all. Uh, you know, what <clears throat> is she even talking about? They are literally Marxist, and she's saying – they're against her, but they're not. Uh, Okay. Anyway, Speaker Sexton talks about giving Department of Education money back to DC and going it alone. Can we kick the ALA out being um, Marxist pro age inappropriate books? It was Montana and Texas actually that have already done that.
2: Yeah. uh, I I think the the proof uh, proof of concept is already there. If states have already done it, I think we can do it too. I, I appreciate Speaker Sexton's approach in sort of Shrugging off the, the authority that federal grants have over us and, and dictates a lot of our policy. Uh, Tennessee is one of the few states in the country that can't, can't afford that. We have a booming economy. We need to use that to our advantage. So I'm, I'm glad to see him stepping up and saying, hey, this is something that we can do and we should do. And I, I applaud him for that. Absolutely.
1: And this is literally taking over the institutions, as you talked about in the beginning. Ms. Drabinsky is a supporter of critical race theory, which Montana rejected as discriminatory and other far left-leaning ideologies that have no place in our schools and libraries. Elsie Arntzen, Commission Superintendent of Public Instruction in Montana, said in a statement, also by electing a declared Marxist as their president, the ALA has not only turned its back on families, parental rights and American values, it has turned its back on America itself. Exactly as you said, ALA spent, get this, $533,000 in 2021 and $573,000 in 2022 on lobbying. That's our money into pockets of Act Blue and DNC Services Corp. Uh, of them previously held government jobs, these librarians, 66.67, two thirds of them used to have uh public service jobs in the government and just did a revolving door right into the library um one more thing december 23rd 2022 not even a year ago ala.org the library services and technology act lsta administered by institute of museum and library services saw an increase of 13.5 million dollars raising the program to 211 million dollars as the leading source of federal funding for america's libraries more than 120,000 public academic government and special libraries, 120,000 get all that money. Um, What do you make about the federal funds being used to promote exactly what you are against these pride displays or whatever you want to call them in the public libraries, not even private libraries?
2: Well, I I think the structure has been built, perhaps not intentionally, but everything has fallen into place where they are, They're taking our money from us. I mean, like, let's call it what it is. If I don't pay my taxes, police are going to show up at my door and they're going to throw me in in a cage. Like, that's what it is. So they're taking our money from us, looping it around, and then deciding where it goes. And it specifically goes against things that that are counter to our values. Um, This is is an undermining of the Federalist system as well. Uh, So if you look at 1980, it was uh, South Dakota v. uh, Dole. And this Supreme Court decision was basically deciding on whether or not federal grant money to the states could have strings attached to them. And the Supreme Court found that they did. I think it was one of the worst Supreme Court decisions in in American history. Uh, And that was the death knell for the federalist system. So there's no no more of this idea of, well, state and federal government are on more or less equal playing fields. Now, that, that was the end of it. So now the federal government does have carte blanche to take our money. And then spend it on what they believe is important, not what people of the individual states believe are important.
1: Which is exactly Um, why Sexton wants to give the Department of Education their money back because of the strings attached on how we teach our kids. And now uh, A.G. Scrimetti is talking about giving back money um, uh, for um, uh, Planned Parenthood, receiving federal funds in Tennessee, even after we passed the ban against that. So there you go. There's that. Marxist big government, strings attached to our own tax dollars filtered back into our state, uh, causing all this trouble. Now, Nashville, they have a public library. Uh, They're protesting banned books by way of a bright yellow library card with a special message. I read banned books. Ooh, very hip and cool. Very, very uh, taboo. The limited edition cards are a part of the library's freedom to read campaign celebrating the right to read. Usually those things don't happen for free. Uh, do you know about this? What do you make about this? I bet you it's not happening in your county.
2: So th- this is actually a nationwide uh, movement, if you will, the the uh, freedom to read. And so I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'm scrolling through Facebook and I'm seeing all of these paid ads from libraries, you know, and it's usually a a liberal woman holding a book, you know, presumably a librarian, and saying. This is the band book that I'm reading, and it's you know To Kill a Mockingbird or or, or you know whatever. We, we know those aren't the books that that we yeah. You know those aren't the books we're concerned about. Yeah. So this is all completely disingenuous. Huck Finn is
1: not gender queer. No, there are differences. Right, <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> like we, we we all know this is happening, but but they're laughing at us. They're mocking us. Um, this is this is a classic, um, right out of the leftist playbook. It's an appeal to emotion. Uh, so as you say, oh yeah, it's it's hip and cool to read band books. Okay, what, what band books? Right. Or or uh, you know, the, the, the crazy lady that, that yelled at me in the video. You know, it's always this make it as emotional as possible. Oh, you, they just want to exist. They have a right to exist. No one's saying that they can't exist. We're not right. we're not Genocidal. What's wrong with you? Right. Yeah. Her point was
1: the church was worse by two than a drag show. Yeah. Um. But there is pushback in our state, and you know, the Sumner County Library Board voted to fire its Hendersonville Library Director after accusations of treatment toward Christian actor Kirk Cameron, who's been on the show, and others associated with an event in February at the library. He was here in advance of that show. I'd like to think some listeners showed up in support. Um. Alan Morales was fired by the board in a four to three vote. (laughs) could have gone the other way. According to Sumner County, do you think the libraries, he, he must have known this could happen, are, are taking their orders from above or are they true believers that kids should have, they truly believe that kids should have access to these dirty books?
2: I think it's a mix of both. Um, we know that there's usually a tagline when you look at uh, materials that from a library, promotional materials or whatever, uh, and it'll say something about the ALA. Well, we you know write our bylaws, or we decide what books are going to be uh, in the library based on recommendations from the ALA. So we know that all of this trickles down from the national level. Um, we, I believe, many of them are also true believers. There's at least one employee at our local library that we know for a fact is leaking um, personal information from uh, of a lot of the people that are pushing back to these leftist groups. They're being doxed. Um, wow. We can't prove it yet, but we, we know it's happening, and we are 99% sure we know who it is. So there are absolutely true believers out there. Uh, the, the danger is that it is both, that they are getting all of this money and all of these resources from the national level, and then the foot soldiers, the true believers at, at the other end of that, are the ones carrying it out. If it was just one or just the other, we would frankly be in a, in a better place, in a, a place where we could fight this more easily. But the two of them together, it's it's like pulling teeth.
1: It's so clear to me. Um, okay, we got about five minutes left. Moms for Liberty have been uh, painted as a right-wing, zealous organization, uh labeled Nazi book burners and banners. Right next to Nashville, there, Wilson County chairman of Moms for Liberty, Amanda Price, has a kid in public school. She was the only challenger to these books at their their libraries because it's public record and parents don't want blowback on their kids. Of course, she said Southern Poverty Law Center changed her intent to look extreme over challenging sexually explicit materials, like you're talking about. She said uh, she wants the rights of parents to be honored. Um, Upcoming reconsideration of policy 4.403, which could result in local residents not being able to challenge books now it's only two at a time. This is how it works now. You can challenge two books at a time and have to be added to a mature reading list by a committee that reads each one and then they discuss it like a book group before recommendation to the board uh, How embarrassing is this board bias
2: mm-hmm. well i I think it's it's self-evident um I think the the best way to approach that and counter it is to just say just say no right uh, thanks Nancy Reagan um just just say no to all these new regulations all these new laws start unplugging yourself from the system don't don't go to the local library anymore just don't don't support it flat out as long as they're going to support these things talk to your county commissioners and say uh, you know so per state law we can't cut the budget but we don't have to give them uh, a budgetary increase so so tell your county commissioners we don't want the library to receive any more of our money as long as they're doing these things uh to your audience i would say that the 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 three most powerful words that we have in our arsenal in this fight is, I don't care. When they call you a book burner, when they call you a Nazi or a fascist or a bigot, I don't care what you think about me. I'm not going to engage in that fight with you because I already know you're not an honest actor. I know you're being disingenuous. I don't care.
1: And we do care. We we are concerned parents. Um, why can't they just throw labels on them like G P G R and Triple X and put them in a different section, maybe even behind brown paper bags like the 7 Eleven used to do when I was a kid? Why can't they do that? Well, we are out of time here, unfortunately. I know this is a big issue. I left questions on the table. It was banned books week, October one through seven. So Hopefully uh, you guys didn't celebrate that too much, but tell tell everyone where they can go to hear more about you and your foundation and what you're trying to do for our schools and next year's uh, school board actually election. So I'm sure you're going to be very active in the next 12 months.
2: Yes, yeah, I've, I've already been laying the groundwork for that. Uh, you can find me at the uh, Foundation for Liberty and Freedom. The website is uh, dot org. uh Feel free to shoot me an email. Um, best thing you can do to support us is, is pray for us, donate if you can. Um, this fight is, is a broad spectrum and I'm trying to engage across the board. Uh, if you are in a County and you have some of these things going on and you want to consult with me and collaborate, I'm more than happy to do that. Please send me an email. This is, this is my mission in life. I love doing it. I love serving my community in this way. So, uh, yeah, shoot me an email and I'd love to help you in any way I can.
1: Well, God bless you. And thank you for standing up for our kids, um, and their mental health. I really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on with us again. Thanks for having me. With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast simply and naturally without restrictive exercise or cardboard dry tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof, look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know, I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount, money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. com.
2: Hi, I'm Tennessee Attorney General Jonathan Scrimetti, and you're listening to the Mill Creek View Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show where we cover what we just learned. I do miss the music. Producer Steve, what'd you think of our guest, Aaron Miller of Columbia and Foundation for Liberty and Freedom?
0: Oh, we need we need to uh, multiply him by fifty states, and we need to have one in one of him in every state. And uh but he's right. Actually,
1: every- we need four thousand of him because it's a county, public county problem. So 4, that's 000. part of the four thousand county strategy that I've been talking about for a long time. Um, you know, newsbusters.org is an amazing website. Uh, they put together a compilation of the most disgusting claims made by journalists in defense of the terrorist organization Hamas. Could you play that clip for us?
0: Is this just so I know, is this the uh, text to speech? Worst of media's decades long anti-Semitic Hamas. Sounds right. Sounds right.
1: So Near hours after Hamas militants began their wholesale slaughter of innocent Israelis on Saturday the media were already gearing up to excuse the mass murder. And while we certainly have seen some appalling takes from these liberal news networks in the past few days, it's worth recalling that the media have a long and disturbing record of dismissing Palestinian violence against the Jewish people. The left-wing media view the Israeli-Palestinian conflict through a pseudo-Marxist framing, in which Israel is cast as the cruel and racist oppressor, while the Palestinians are the oppressed minority subjugated by a hostile regime. That's actually As a result,
0: it. journalists... And let's go down. That, that and sounds it.
1: like an AI version of what it is, but that's not uh, it. This is another one. This morning,
2: okay. a top former Israeli general went on national radio in Israel to say there has been absolute apartheid in the occupied West Bank for the past 57 years, and even compared the situation there with Nazi Germany.
1: Palestinians are looking around and, and thinking, who's going ever to protect us. Hamas is seeing a wave of popularity after this latest round of violence, presenting itself as the sole defenders of the Palestinian people. Farah never supported Hamas before, but does now. Violence comes from despair. In Gaza, Many see these attacks as justified. Many Palestinians believe dancing with death is the only way to show their desperation. Politicians think they can just ignore the context in which all of this is happening, the fact that Israel is an occupying power. When you have mandatory conscription uh, and service in Israel, Effectively, the Palestinians will say it's war against everyone because everyone's a soldier.
2: Look, I think we need to understand that Palestinians live a daily reality of structural oppression, violence,
1: subjugation, control, oppression, etc. Many Palestinians feel powerless. The Palestinians have to, I mean, they're, they're frustrated. They're trying to get uh, get some kind of attention. Let's talk about
0: the just for context. That's years and years worth of uh, news. It's not recent. So just so people know that that in context.
2: You A Finish word. It?
1: This is apartheid and apartheid regime. The system of apartheid. Increasing numbers of Israelis and American Jews. Are starting to use the A word. Israel oversees an apartheid regime. There's an apartheid system in place. The West Bank is apartheid. UN human rights experts have characterized as policies and practices which amount to apartheid. Israel's strategy of self-defense is becoming less defensible in world opinion.
0: Israel may achieve military victory, but lose the battle of wider world opinion.
1: There's been these images I've seen of of the the Iron Dome system, right? So this this missile defense system, the U.S. partly funded. Can we get an Iron Dome for Gaza? An Iron Dome for Gaza. Okay, what an idiot. Iron Dome is a defensive system. What would Gaza defend from? Retaliatory strikes. And they said occupying power and apartheid. Misuse of what, again, of a word. The condition of being separated from others. Yeah, like most states with borders. Segregation. 9,795,000 9,795,000 people live in Israel. Well, minus 1,400 tragic souls that died. 73%, or 7,181,000, are Jews. 2,065,000, or 21%, are Arabs. So, no, not apart, apart tied. South Africa government forcibly removed Black South Africans from rural areas designated as white to be homelands and sold their land at low prices to white farmers. From 1961 to 1994, more than 3.5 million people were forcibly removed from their homes and deposited in the Bantu stands where they were plunged into poverty and hopelessness. So again, no, not apartheid. All if the reporting weren't bad enough, as if the reporting weren't bad enough, some of these outlets have been caught employing outright anti-semites back in 2021 cnn quietly fired a freelance contributor named adele Raja after he tweeted quote the world today needs a new hitler nice in response to the conflict in gaza in 19, in 2019 cnn photo editor Mohammed al Shami was caught celebrating hamas's murder of quote four jewish pigs on twitter ABC, CBS, and NBC are shielding pro-Hamas Democrats from the public by Bill Diagonisto and Gisto. Since the October 7th Hamas massacre of Israeli civilians, House Democratic members of the squad have drawn harsh criticism from even members of their own party for their rapidly anti-Israel posturing. But rather than shining a, a, positive, a spotlight on the controversy, the broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, instead dutifully sheltered them from public scrutiny. In fact, since the attacks, they have not received even a second of airtime on the evening newscasts. MRC and a- analysts combed through all of ABC, CBS, and NBC's evening newscasts from October 7th through October 22 for any mention of the House Democrats, colloquially known as the Squad, despite dedicating a whopping 525 minutes, nearly nine hours of airtime to the ongoing tumult in Gaza, none of these three networks gave even a second to any member of the progressive cadre. That's not for lack of action on the part of the congresswoman and one man. For the purpose of this study, the squad refers to an informal group of seven House Democrats, in addition to the four original members, Ocasio-Cortez, Omar, Presley, and Rashida Tlaib. Other common recipients of the label include Bowman, Bush, Sumner Lee. Uh, some lists also include uh, uh, Gregorio Cesar from Texas, but he did not engage in any of the behavior. Um Yes, so evening newscast coverage, zero seconds of any of this, and stay tuned for my quotes of this week, and I will tell you them to you right now. In my view, investing in public libraries is an investment in the nation's future. Bill Gates, ugh, how'd that work out? Banned books are free online nationally at his Seattle Public Library. I think the health of our civilization, the depth of our awareness about the underpinnings of our culture and our concern for the future can all be tested by how well we support our libraries. Carl Sagan, if he'd only lived to see them today, he might not say that. Libraries should be open to all except the censor, John F. Kennedy. See, nothing new under the sun. There There is no such... There is not such a cradle of democracy upon the earth as the free public libraries. This republic of letters, where neither rank, office, nor wealth receives the slightest consideration. Andrew Carnegie. In 1911, Andrew Carnegie founded the Carnegie Corporation to manage his philanthropic efforts that eventually led to the corporation providing the funds to develop Sesame Street and the Children's Television Workshop. Sesame Street literally would not be here were it not for the Carnegie Corporation. That's it for this episode. Thank you, Aaron Miller, for reminding us there is literature and there is age-appropriate material. There is a difference. Until next time, this is your host, Steve Abramowitz, Editor-in-Chief of mcview.us. Peace in our time and glory to God.
0: and the pumpkins at the county fair they we're looking for America behind find turn, flying the very colors that's so